0: You're listening to Your Woo Woo Best Friend, a no-BS approach to wellness, spirituality, manifestation, and all things mystical. Hi, it's Andy. Welcome back to the show. We have an episode again today where I have the wizard of the internet, Samantha, with me again today, and we're going to be talking about, on this day of love, some love trends that are on the internet today so we'll we'll talk a bit about social media samantha yes and then also just other things that you're seeing on the internet
1: yeah you know just what i'm seeing out there i'm looking into my little internet crystal ball
0: (laughs) perfect perfect so where do you want to start what what's the what's the hot stuff happening in the world of love on this special day
1: Yeah, so I think I actually want to take it back. Um, Maybe this was a year ago. Maybe it was a couple months ago. Time is so elastic. Um, There was a trend on TikTok, and it was where all of these women were using this song called I Am Woman. And it kind of Mm. became this trend where women were embodying the lyrics of the song. And there's this line where it says... um, I'm fearless, I'm sexy, I'm divine. And then there's another line where it also says, I am feminine, I am masculine. And with this trend, you know, like they're either, these women are either like putting up these really powerful um, images of themselves that kind of matches these words. Um, And really there's just a lot of self-love happening with this song. They're also, because it's talking about the divine, because it's talking about um, feminine and masculine, this started this conversation around the divine feminine on TikTok in particular. I'm sure that it was happening before, but this was definitely like, in my algorithm, the segue into seeing the divine feminine come out on TikTok. And my first impression of all of this was, this is awesome. The song is beautiful. It was by like an unknown artist. Um, I don't have her name at the, you know, on top of my head, but she was unknown, kind of one of those like it launched her to fame kind of things. And it was just really, it was a really, really great um, embodiment of womanhood, and it felt really empowering. Um, and it also felt like a statement um, of embodying femininity uh, within this conversation about feminism, um, and you know, like how there's a separate conversation about um it's called, I don't know if you've heard of like yassification, yeah, or bimboification, Yep, yep, yep. okay. So mm-hmm. yassification is like very current, and it's kind of where it's this take on like you go into face app and you can create you know, like your perfect face. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just using all of those effects all the way up to, you know, like the highest degree. So that Mm -hmm. way you are basically like unrecognizable as yourself Mm -hmm. and you are just basically like this like perfect woman. Um, And so there's like kind of this like satirical side of yassification where it's uh, understanding that this is ridiculous, but also like loving it at the same time. Um, Same thing with bimbofication, there's um, kind of a conversation there about like how like womanhood or like extreme femininity is so suppressed or like oppressed and thought of as like um, you're stupid if you act that way or if you, you know, love to wear the color pink or dress in like ruffles and all of that kind of stuff. But bimbofication really kind of says I can be smart, I can be an engineer I can, you know, like, go to my computer science class and do these, like, what we would typically, society would typically think of as, like, really masculine um, tasks, but I can do it while I'm in, like, all all ruffles. I can do it while I have, like, a full face of makeup. Um, And so it's interesting to kind of see these things happening at the same time on TikTok. And, you know... The other thing about it is there is so much inherited shame that we as women have, especially in like patriarchal society. Um, There's inherited shame about our bodies, about menstruation, um, about what it means to be a woman, you know? And so it's pretty cool that this song, this trend, and then this separate conversation about the divine feminine is expressing this power Of women. Um, But then I started to learn a little bit more about the divine feminine and kind of learned that it's not just about um, femininity. It's not just about like a certain kind of feminism that's in embodying your your femininity or your womanhood, but it's also about an energy imbalance that there Mm. is the divine feminine. There's also the divine masculine. And, you know, there are so many examples of the divine masculine in Western society. You know, we could think of God. We could think of, you know, like a number of deities. Um, That's where that like divine masculine is versus the divine feminine being in those goddesses, which are not necessarily held up in the same esteem. Um, And then I had this reaction (laughs) where I was like, well, wait a second if there's a divine feminine and a divine masculine, sounds a lot like the gender binary, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, to me, was at odds with kind of my conception of gender and my conception beyond the gender binary. Um, But then I started to see on, on TikTok and on social media all these queer folks talking about the divine feminine and masculine and how to them it was something where it's like, embracing the divine feminine or masculine within themselves both both Mm -hmm. within themselves was an empowering way to kind of talk about um what their gender actually is because it doesn't just fall on one side or the other it's a mix of both and that that can be um something that's really uh really reaffirming to their gender and so i was like all right cool like this all seems really cool. And then came the love coaches. <laughs> and so the love coaches on the internet have become so powerful and have gone so viral. And I think it's because, you know, during the pandemic, we've all been really lonely, a little bit isolated. I mean, there are some statistics that show that Um, The use of Tinder and other social media apps during the pandemic has, like, gone up by, I think it's, like, 30 to 50 percent during the pandemic. So, of course, people are looking for answers. Of course, people are trying to understand, like, how do I develop intimate relationships? How do I keep these intimate relationships? Um, And with that, a lot of them are using this idea of the divine feminine and masculine within their coaching. Um, And this is where some of my worst suspicions about the divine feminine were kind of confirmed. Um, That, you know, in this sense, there are certain traits that belong to femininity. There are certain traits that belong to masculinity. And they tend to lie on the same train of thought as our, like, traditional gender norms, um, binaries, long established conventions. Um, There's this sense that like, if you dare not to embody the feminine completely, if you are a woman, then you are doomed to have an unbalanced relationship with a man. Mm, Um, Interesting. And that was something that really reminded me. I don't know if you remember, there's like this book that came out, I think it was in the 90s. And it was like, how to catch a man. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely do know what you're talking about. There's the one that is called, I was I was doing a little bit of, of like, reminding myself of this book. It was called, The Rules, Time-Tested Secrets for Capturing the Heart of Mr. Right. And it came out on Valentine's Day in 1995. And I actually came across a New York Times article from two years ago that was basically the the article said it was called the the te- the headline was stuff your rules the rules taught us how to deform ourselves to nab a husband but what would we do once we had him and then in the book apparently it was like to be honest i i remember having a girlfriend who was like i live and die by this by this book and me personally even in my relationship with ben i think i did it the exact opposite i think I embody more of that divine feminine now, as I'm getting older than I did when I was younger, I definitely leaned more into the like, I'm just going for what I want sort of energy when I was younger. And so like in this book, it was some of the rules were basically like, don't chase men, men are hunters. You wanna make them want you. So like, you shouldn't say yes to dates that often. You're a project, make them want, to work on you as the project. I mean, it's pretty fucked up. It's like, when we look at it today, it's like, did we, did we seriously like, like millions of copies of this book sold and like women who we would consider to be empowered women like doing their thing were like using this kind of like vile approach to entering into relationships. There was even like a part in the book when it was like, men like women who are neat and clean And I'm using quotes because this is literally from the book. And if you have a bad nose, get a nose job. If you have gray hair, color it. If your hair is short and needs to be long, that's how you get a husband. It's it's pretty fucked up.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really reminds me of like, weren't we saying the same things in like the 60s or the 50s? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um, I think that when we start attributing certain behaviors to being a woman, then we're kind of telling women, especially in like a lot of these situations, what we're saying is you need to be servile. You need to be, um, the receptor. You need to be receptive to be put second in the relationship. Um, and I kind of think about it. I'm like, why can't I embody Athena and still attract a man? Like, why can't I be the more masculine one in the relationship? Um, that is something that should be fine. I think I understand when there's this conversation about, like, um, balance in your relationship and how, like, um, in order to have this, like, kind of successful unit, you, in some ways, you have to be able to balance each other out. You know, you it's always about compromise. It's always about, you know, we can fight, but one person can't always be the one who's right.
0: Yeah, totally. You know? And I think... Yeah. I mean, and when we're and talking I, about this like day of love and so many folks are just kind of sorting through, especially in these times right now, whether you're, whether you were in a relationships going in a relationship going into 2020, or you entered into one, or you're now coming out on the other side of the pandemic and considering what you would like for a relationship to, to look like, no matter where you sit in all of that, our relationships Changed and how we enter into relationships and exit from relationships, and how we just be in relationships changed in 2020. And I'm definitely not an expert, but all of us know that. We all we all oh, know that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, prior to the pandemic, um, me and my partner, we were both going to our job every day. Yeah. We both went to an office every day on different sides of town, and at the end of the day, we saw each other. When the pandemic began we both started working from home together. Yeah. And at first we thought like, oh, this is amazing. Like, this is like the best thing that could happen. You're my best friend. So like, of course, I want to hang out with you all day while I'm doing work. Um, but yeah, about six months in, it was kind of like, oh, maybe some space is actually really necessary in a relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so even, even just those kinds of routine changes that have happened in the pandemic have just totally restructured the way that we approach our relationships. Um, So I think it makes sense. It it makes sense that um, love coaching, especially on the internet, has kind of risen up in this way. Um, And I think that when I kind of reflect on this idea of using the divine feminine, within your love coaching and within your love life, I think there is a place, of course. Of course there's a place because I still resonate with this idea of like embodying my womanhood and not suppressing the parts of myself that society has told me to suppress because of one reason or another. Um, And if I'm embodying myself, then that means that my relationship is better. That means that my connection with my partner is better. So from that angle, I totally get it. I also understand it when we're talking about like taking control of both narratives of mm-hmm. both feminine and masculine and what that means um, within our relationship. But yeah, maybe we leave the the old the old pamphlets from the '60s and the '90s. Yeah, let's just uh, let's leave those in the past.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, here's like two things that come up for me as I'm thinking about this. Well, one, in my my personal life, I do a lot of work to lean into that divine feminine energy. And I do that mostly because I find that I take better care of myself, self-love, self-compassion, empathy for self when I'm practicing divine feminine rituals. So Like in one of our courses, rituals of manifestation, there's a recommendation to take a Venus bath or build a Venus altar. And a part of that practice for me, those are practices that I do, is it's not a it's not a sexual practice at all. It's not about how I'm gonna woo Ben into the bedroom that evening. It's for me to feel really grounded in my femininity and in my body as a woman, and to remind myself of the power that I have in this beautiful vessel that I was gifted into as a human being, right? So like, that really is how I like to consider those practices. Like, you know, a a bath with salts and oils and candles is for me. That's for me to feel beautiful in my own skin. That's why I do it. And then the other thing that comes up for, for me in a big way is that a part of this is also, it's also a, subtle rebellion against the things that we were, as women, literally burned at the stake for, you know, not that many years ago, not that long ago. I mean, we've got grandmothers of our grandmothers that that was their experience. And we, when we look at like, what some of the natural feminine intuition, and just connection to earth, earth knowledge, that mama earth experience looks like, that's the stuff that women were literally persecuted for, for having those types of feminine connections to to energy and the, the planet that we live on. So I think that there's also like a subtle or maybe even not so subtle rebellion that's like, if I can be like in my bathtub doing some sort of like spells with my oil and my salts and my, you know, whatever it is I'm doing in there, that's me embodying something that was not allowed of me not that long ago. Totally.
1: I I totally agree. There's actually, um, there actually is a place where it's, you know, this idea of the divine feminine um, has existed, you know, for however long. But when it really started to come into the, the pop culture in America was in the 70s. And that's what we were seeing, you know, like the rise of a lot of feminist movements as well. Um, there's also, even today, there's there's this zine. It's called the Divine Feminine Consciousness Zine. Um, and it's by a, a, an artist. And really the, the conversation there is that divine feminine energy is about uplifting what has been denigrated mm. in our society. Um, and yeah, I think there is so much that we can suppress um, within ourselves to kind of try to fit in um, Mm -hmm. to the patriarchal norms and to also just feel loved. And I think that when we get into that second part, what we do to try to feel loved, there's two sides of that coin, you know? There's the parts of ourselves that we suppress so that way we can um, be in our job, be in our career. Um, And then there are things that we suppress around our partners. And ultimately, we should feel like we don't need to suppress any any part of it, you know, that we should be able to embody ourselves fully. And that should be kind of like the bottom line there.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think for us on this show and in this conversation on this day of love, my intention at least is to encourage whomever is listening to feel really comfortable expressing themselves however however it best fits for you. And if that if and, a, and if on a day like today, which is a day that can be really beautiful and can be really triggering too. It just to kind of depends on where you're at. And we all ebb and flow through through years in which Valentine's Day is like beautiful and years where it's like, fuck Valentine's Day. Like I don't need your like hallmark holiday bullshit. You know, I I get both of those sides of this. And I think what I want our listeners to take away is that you and your your love of self is the most important and I don't want I don't want anyone who ever listens to the show to feel like they've got to go pick up a book like that shitty book from the 90s and follow follow some sort of like plan that doesn't doesn't support you being you and your fullest expression
1: totally agree which, speaking of when Valentine's Day can really go wrong, I will say I have been broken up with on Damn. Valentine's Day. <laughs> harsh. That's so harsh. So harsh. So harsh. So yeah, definitely um, a dual, yeah. dual emotions yeah. around what Valentine's Day means.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel that. So we're going to have next next part of this episode is we're going to invite a love coach to answer a couple of questions from her perspective. And we invite you guys as listeners to feel into what works for you. And Emmy, our love coach, is incredibly successful in working with really high powered and high profile women. So we wanted to hear what she had to say and what her perspective is on these exact topics. So here we go. Let's welcome Emmy onto the show. As a love coach, I was curious about Emmy's perspective on the divine feminine and the divine masculine. So I asked her to talk to me a bit about the work that she does.
2: That's why I went into this this business and particularly why I work with the women that I work with. I come from, you know, get shit done Silicon Valley. I went to school at UC Berkeley and stayed in the area in Silicon Valley and this is all big tech working with people who mean business, right? There's there's no emotions involved there. It's just get down to, to the nitty gritty. And what I found was that my most successful friends and executive acquaintances were having the most difficult time with love. So this is where there's this confusion out in the world with thinking, oh, you know, these, this, these women are just too intimidating and they intimidate men or they're more successful than the men they would attract or be in their field. So there's, that's why they're they're saying, "Well, they're too picky. And I'm going to tell right now, it's got nothing to do with that. It has to do with our own internal energy because when we're in get shit done mode, that is what we know as masculine energy as masculine action. And what I teach my ladies to do is how do they step into our Venus, which is Aphrodite. How do you step into the feminine energy? Because that is what we call polarity right we have polarity on the pla- uh, on the planet you know that's what gravity is the north and south pole that's what keeps the planet together and then in all of the the universe and the galaxies so in order to find that natural healthy polarity we have to know how to switch from one energy to the other and this is what makes a healthy relationship and it doesn't matter what the gender is by the way you can have same sex couples and the polarity still needs to be applied in order for it to be a healthy relationship. Because you can have the tension between two alphas fighting all the time, fighting to be right. And then all that creates is is drama. And there's no fulfillment there.
0: Oh, yeah. So how does somebody recognize... They're in a relationship. Sometimes we're just so in it. It's like we can't see, you know, the trees through the forest when we're so in it. So how does someone start to recognize whether they're in a relationship that is well, but just has some things to work through, or if they're really in a toxic situation that isn't right for them? What are the signs of of that, perhaps? Ooh, this
2: is This is a tricky one because it's an easy answer and also a very difficult one. Uh, I'm going to say a lot of it, it depends, but the one real sign where you can tell that you're in a toxic relationship. And here's where it's tricky because from an outside perspective, unless I do a proper analysis and who I'm talking to, I don't know who the toxic one is. (laughs) Okay. A lot of people (laughs) okay. There's this assumption. It's always a narcissistic man. It's not true. I was raised by a narcissistic mother. Okay. So a lot of times they're, they're the toxic person can be the male or female it doesn't it, th- that part is irrelevant so unless i do a proper assessment i won't be able to help you out with with that but what i can tell you is okay very important you are taught when you're growing up you know relationships take work and you have to work hard at it and you're going you're going to disagree and you're going to fight and that's normal blah 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 that's all fine and dandy to a certain extent what is not okay is you are not supposed to fight every day Okay? You are not supposed to be in argument and in and disagreement and, and crying and trying to run away and not feel safe around your partner. If there is a consistent pattern of you always being the one apologizing, hear me now. If your partner is always right, no matter what, you're in a toxic relationship. Okay, That is not healthy. And that is something that you definitely need to assess with a professional. And depending on how severe the situation is, you might need to separate. Men also are trained from their biology to keep information and to not share, even with their partner. It's not, it's unconscious. So this is why sometimes the women are like, well, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? And you'll be like, not nothing. Right. But he's got future plans going on. He's got a plan for five, 10 years from now. But you're sitting there thinking, like, maybe on the third date, he doesn't like me. He hasn't talked about marriage. Right. But he's maybe he's already planning on introducing you to his family. There's a lot going on that men are trying not to verbalize. And we get frustrated as women because he's like, he won't talk to me. I mean, he just he doesn't share anything with me. So what I do is I help facilitate the conversations and I translate for the couple. So I help whatever situation is going on, whatever issue is, I'll tell the woman, Oh, okay. Your husband just said this. This is what he meant. X, Y, and Z. And I'll look at them. Is that accurate? He's like, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll talk to her. She'll say something. And then I'll, I'll translate to him like your wife just said X, Y, and Z. This is what she meant. And this is why she's crying. Cause he's looking at her like, let me just ask you a normal question. Why are you crying? And then I'll explain what kind of tears they are. They're either tears of relief. Okay. Tears of appreciation or frustrated tears because he's not understanding. So I come in as that middle person of helping people and couples understand. So sometimes the misunderstandings are just not under, not respecting because we weren't taught. How are we supposed to respect something that we don't know how different the the brains are? And once couples understand that a little bit more, if there's more compassion and understanding and love in that, and there's a lot less tension, those are the relationships that are worth saving and keeping and thriving, getting stronger, and also teaching the woman how to step into her vulnerable mode. When she goes into Venus, Aphrodite, vulnerable, she feels, but she has to feel safe. The partner has to make her feel safe. So when she is in Venus, Aphrodite, there is more passion. There's more love making. There's more playfulness. So there's a give and take here. There has to be safety. and in turn, the safety is rewarded with vulnerability and passion.
0: I asked Emmy, what does she do when there's a misunderstanding between her clients?
2: So what I do is we go through a list, some of the big things first, and we have the partner typically I'm, I'm gonna pick a male female for this example, uh, but it doesn't have to be. So, I pick the partner that is typically most in the male dominance role. And we will have him, I will facilitate by giving him a script and saying, uh, Well, first with her, she will say something along the lines of, Honey, I know last week when you said X, I know your intention wasn't to hurt me, but that really hurt my feelings, right? Going something like that. Very important to say. I know it wasn't your intention to hurt me. Okay. Because then we're not coming in attack mode. The second we attack partner shuts down conversation over. So we say, I know it wasn't your intention, but you really hurt my feelings. And then we start from there. Then the partner says, this has nothing to do with being right or wrong because feelings are valid. Hear me now. Feelings are valid. Whether the situation was logical or not feelings and emotions are not logic. And this is where the man gets in, tr- gets in trouble with himself. Cause he's like, but what that have to do with anything? Like, I, what? Why do I have to apologize for that? You're not apologizing for your actions. You're apologizing for the fact that her feelings were hurt. This is very different. So you say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that I hurt your feelings. How can I make it better? Then she will immediately melt. First is acknowledging that there was a wound there, healing that wound. And once we go through the process of healing the wounds, this may take one or two sessions or it may take five. I, I usually like to do it in like one or two, go through some major stuff and then some little things, teach them the tool to do that on their own. That's step number one. Then the next step we go into is teaching them the importance of him being able to rise into his healthy masculine, meaning make sure she feels safe and protected no matter what. And that she can feel vulnerable and fall back into her playful self, maybe for when they first started dating.
0: Such an interesting topic to be in conversation around on this day. So if you're interested in learning more about Emmy and her work, her private practice is called Duality of Athena, and she works to guide the folks that come into her practice towards finding their soulmate co-creating epic love stories and even sometimes separating gently and with kindness and what's so cool about emmy is she began her career as a consultant in the silicon valley tech world she was working with companies like microsoft and lyft and she was seeing all these high-powered women really struggling with their love stories and decided that this was truly her mission and the work that she needed to do to support creating better love in the world. So thanks so much to Emmy for coming onto the show and having a quick conversation with us. Thank you to Samantha for bringing the story from what's happening in the world of the internet. If you love these mini episodes, these bonus episodes, let us know, leave us a review, share on social, tag us at your woo woo BFF, and I will see you again this Thursday. Have a great one.